0: Welcome to my 2020. As we look back on this historic year, each of us has had a unique experience. For many, it has been a difficult year. For others, it has witnessed unprecedented challenges. For my guest today, 2020 was a year of achievements, despite the odds. UAE Minister of State for Advanced Technology and Chair of the UAE Space Agency, Sarah Emiri amiri oversaw the launch of a probe to Mars at the height of the pandemic, She's here with me today to look back on 2020. Minister Amiri, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure, Mina.
1: to always have a conversation with you.
0: Thank you. What a year it has been. I wanted to ask you first, what has 2020 taught you?
1: 2020 has been quite an interesting year, a challenging year. Uh, One that's on a personal level and also on a professional level has been filled with amazing hurdles of learning um, for me personally and it it has been as bad as it's gotten and as good as it's gotten um, it's been an immense learning uh trend for me um, and for everyone in my life and it's held quite a great value i would say with the development and moving forward and reflection and taught me the importance of agility that's tr- the importance of pushing forward the importance of realizing what our goals are, but changing the paths towards reaching our goals um, is also something that's plausible.
0: So that ability to change, change path, is something that is difficult for somebody in your line of work where planning is such a big part of your day-to-day work, what your team expects, and so forth. So how were you able to make that change to to decide okay even if i don't know what comes next we stay we stay the course
1: it's building into the way we work adaptability and that's something that i've learned from working in the space sector because you operate on developing and designing missions that are quite complex in nature that the risk profile is high and Regardless of how much planning you put into it, things that are unexpected happen because you're working in an exploratory phase uh, field. You're developing things according to set requirements, but they may not behave according to what you expect. Um, and for me, that's always been a key learning that I've taken and implemented into uh, my work uh, in the government and implemented into the way that we work and function as a team um, in the ministry and in my office. And it's allowed us to make adaptability okay, make change okay, allow people to come and speak up and say that, that with those unknowns, this is what we need to be doing. And it's always been a collaborative sort of drive forward for us to reach to where we've wanted to reach. And that that has been largely what 2020 is about. Um, and we continue to learn on how to adapt. And more importantly, it's giving, given us a way of informing how we should be working in
0: normal times. Whatever normal is, of course. <laughs> Whatever normal is. And can I ask you about your private life? Did you have to quarantine for any period of time? Who were you staying at home with? How did it change your home life?
1: So quarantine with my children, especially when they first went um, out of school into online education um, and about April was quite an interesting dynamic, balancing work uh, with uh, adapting the children to a new form of education, and at the same time, all of us coexisting in the same house for extended periods of time that we've never spent um, together has been quite an interesting endeavor for myself, for my children, a growing experience for us. It has provided us a very strong bond, and maybe for the first time, especially for my eldest, he was exposed to what I do, Especially that for the first period of time, we were, he was sitting right next to me while he was studying and learning online, I was conducting my meetings or work and so on. So it provided me a bit of an insight on what it is that we do on a daily basis. Um, and perhaps an appreciation on both of our ends, what he goes through his day and what I go through my day. So um, it's also been... Um, quite an interesting time also trying to work with our extended families with uh, my parents my family and and stay connected during that tough and challenging time
0: it's interesting what you said about your son knowing what you actually do because it was hands-on he was seeing you at work from home Um, what do you think he he didn't know about you that he knows about you now
1: he observed a time when we were trying to work on the Emirates-Mars mission, especially to get the spacecraft out of the UAE to Japan so that it can start getting prepped for um, for launch. And that involved a lot of meetings and a lot of calls to different um, entities within the UAE just to inform them um, of what we were doing. And they were quite supportive uh, on the highest levels for us to push forward uh, with this mission. What was interesting, I think, for him in retrospect is how many people are involved in this process, how many meetings (laughs) take place, uh, how many calls. With with, I think he heard me repeat the same thing several times on several different calls. So these are things that were interesting for him, and especially at a time when it was speaking about just moving something from point from one country to another, uh, where I guess in his mind it should have been something simple. Uh, but the pandemic made it very complicated. And he always thought that all I did was meetings. But now he realizes why <laughs> we do all these sessions and calls to get work done.
0: That perfectly takes us to the Mars probe launch. So the UAE launched the first uh, Arab probe uh, and the first of its type probe for the world to Mars. And it was slated for July 2020. The world went through postponing a lot of major events, the Olympics, to name one. The expo in Dubai has been uh, postponed till October 2021. And we were surprised to hear that, no, the Mars probe would actually happen on time. So talk us through how that decision was made and how making that launch happen during a pandemic changed your plans.
1: So, pushing forward with the Emirates Mars mission to launch on time was instigated initially by first the only chance that we get to launch to arrive there in 2021 is July 2020. Um, the next option would have been 2022, and for us that wasn't within our mission objectives lines. And we we've gotten at that point so far when we were first having this discussion in late February. Um, that with the, with the with the spacecraft itself, with uh, the development timeline, uh, that we felt that we needed to push through to achieve this mission and objective of arriving to Mars by the 50th anniversary of the UAE in 2021. Um, we sat down in late February, beginning of March. That's before everything closed down, and and uh, I, I believe before the pandemic went full fledged, and. The project director, Omran Sharaf, at the time, worked with us on a scenario building exercise of what is the worst case scenario, what can possibly happen. And we then moved towards taking a worst-case scenario that we thought was not, was not something that was possibly going to happen. And that's airports closed, people not move, not being able to move around countries, not accepting citizens of different countries and relatively disrupting the entire logistics system and, and, and travel system. And that's what we worked on devising from uh, beginning of March when, when the plans, the contingency plan went into play. Um, and then we looked at mobilizing and changing the overall schedule without compromising the spacecraft technically or compromising any of the work that we had to do technically. And we just... We just took a decision then and there and just proceeded forward with it because this is the commitment that we all gave as a team um, to the country and to the leadership of the country and and to the world saying that we will launch in July of 2020 to arrive on Mars um, in February 2021 and uh, as soon as we had the plan in place we, we, we hit the ground running and I'm quite grateful that during the height of the pandemic when so many institutions within the UAE and also within the government of Japan were looking internally at just how would they sort through this pandemic that that was unprecedented in nature. They supported us to get this spacecraft where it needed to be. They supported us to ensure the health and safety of our team members and ensure that they can fly safely to Japan and conduct their work and complete it. Um, And without the support of so many different people from many institutions
0: that I can't even recall off the top of my head, we wouldn't have been able to push through during the final months. And you went to Japan yourself. You were with the team. Um, tell me how it felt. Again, this is July 2020. Almost all airplanes in the UAE had had come to a standstill and and the world, actually, not just the UAE. How did it feel to travel to Japan to take those precautions? So the team flew in April of 2020
1: and and directly went after a two-weeks quarantine to Tanagashima Island. Uh, We flew, the delegation that went there to observe the launch flew uh, end of June. It was quite a foreign sort of feeling when you're getting on a plane and first the airports are quieter. I've never seen airports this quiet ever in my life, nor would I've ever expected airports to be this quiet the mood of the of the plane and and the procedures were great that were in place but it was quite an odd and foreign experience to 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 go through this and then um, get to Japan Um, the quarantine that we had to do there for the initial two weeks in Tokyo prior to flying to Tanagashima Island uh, it was quite an interesting experience I'd like to say it's very hard to describe the feelings that went through um, and just this extraordinary way of of seeing the world behind a mask, um, being very cautious with what you're, what with what you touch, um, with your surroundings, and then going into a hotel room for for two weeks consistently. Uh, it, it was quite an interesting experience, uh, one that I probably don't want to repeat again. That made me realize just how much the team went through, especially that they left in beginning of April. They they were in relative quarantine by just going to the office and going to the clean room and then coming back to the respective rooms and on the island during the peak of the quarantine around the world. And it, they weren't home; they weren't home during Ramadan. Um, they left their families for an extended period of time all the way to when we launched in in late July. And it's just it just resonated to me say, seeing such a group of passionate. Um, engineers that were willing to put their lives on hold for quite a few months and go through this experience to get us through this final sort of journey and launch towards Mars.
0: I guess one of the experiences that people who work on space projects, astronauts, of course, but also everybody that works on them, is about isolation. It's about this idea of you send a probe into space on its own. You can't really control the environment around it. But also if astronauts are preparing, of course, the UAE um, has also uh, got an incredible astronaut program that's set up and is, uh, is getting more and more people ready for space exploration. What can we learn from that as we as individuals here on Earth have to grapple with isolation?
1: In space, it's an absolute necessity to to go through this just because of the nature of the overall ex- experience, like you've said. What can we learn from space is probably dealing with uncertainty and dealing with the information that you have at hand and being okay with that being sufficient amount of information to be able to react to, to be able to uh, live through. And being okay to adapting to to changes moving forward, I think I've said that a few times, but Inevitably, that's what space teaches you just by the nature of the risk that that is in the business.
0: Now, in your position as Minister of State for Advanced Technology, you must be looking at how 2020 has accelerated certain trends when it comes to technology, but also opened up how much More is needed in terms of uh, adaptation, but also adopting some of these advanced technologies. How do you think your portfolio, your work is going to be marked by COVID-19? So our government restructuring that happened um, in July part of it was
1: learnings from COVID-19. And one of the learnings from there is that it was very important for the UAE to establish for the first time an independent ministry that had to do with industry and advanced technology. And coupling industry and advanced technology is the exact response to your question. Our industries today, our private sector today needs to either adopt technologies to continue developing in an agile and sustainable manner and supporting the economy. And any new industries that need to be developed need to be centered around technology because that is the language of the future. That is the language of our present today. And today what we're looking at as a ministry that's headed up by His Excellency Dr. Sultan al um is which industries need to further flourish. What are the opportunities of adopting technologies? What is our take on, on Industry 4.0? People are talking about Industry 4.0, but why, what does it really mean to the construction industry here in the UAE? What does it really mean to the oil and gas industry? How could we develop our own um, capabilities in those areas, regardless of what they are when it comes to technologies? At the end of the day, technologies are all tools and it's how you use them that, that creates the right impact. And for us, it's boosting productivity increasing resilience of the sectors ensuring that if there there are global economic downturns that the economy is resilient and therefore our companies and corporations within the UAE are resilient and they have the right ecosystem and infrastructure to be able to push through and sustain for the long run and it's also about asking ourselves the question of which technologies which sectors or technology dependent or knowledge dependent se- sectors could flourish and evolve within the country and what is the talent base that you require around them? And how do you develop the right ecosystem, again, to enable them, be it from the funding mechanisms to, be, to talent resources, to establishing the right institutions that allow for that to happen? So this is, these are quite exciting conversations that we're having today uh, within the ministry as we're shaping the overarching sector direction and the, the um, industrial development landscape for the country.
0: And would you say that that's been the silver lining from this pandemic? The pandemic is, I don't want to glorify what it is. It's, it's been
1: devastating to countries around the world, to families, to, to people. It's impacted what we, what we as humans hold near and dear, and that's the health and safety of ourselves and our family members. But what this pandemic has provided everyone was an exam. This is sort of an examination that all countries, all institutions, all governing bodies, all industries... Um, went through. And like any challenge that you go through, um, coming out of it and in the most positive manner is how much learning you come out of it and how much reflection you have, be it, be it personally or as organizations or as government or whatever institution you belong to, and, and how you push through with, with ensuring that you are able to circumvent future challenges and, and push through, through, through that.
0: So this year is a real year of reflection more than anything. So following on from that, I wanted to ask you, what do you wish you knew on the 1st of January 2020 that would have helped you deal with all of this? I would say nothing. Uh, The reason for that is I believe that
1: life is a journey and and we, we live through certain circumstances at the right time that we were meant to live through them. Um, so I wouldn't, I, I don't do sort of the, the retrospective. If I had learned that, then I, I can push through forward without going through this year. I don't think we would have learned what we've learned today. My realization is the world in January and the world right now is are two different worlds,
0: two different realities, um, that we need to move from and, and, and develop out of. And as you develop, what would be your advice to anyone listening to us now who leads a team on how they can cope with this new reality, but also thrive? So one, change
1: is not something that comes natural to, to um, us humans. But on the other hand, adaptability is something that comes natural to us. And it's, it's how do we balance between the two and how do we ensure uh, that there is a form of stability Uh, that comes with change that we can instill within the teams. And that's through um, ensuring communications as much as possible, even with communication. I mean, you've lived through it. I've lived through it. Change is not always comfortable, but it's absolutely necessary. And having an understanding of why we are all going through this, it's, it's because our reality has changed. It's not about... Um, pointing fingers and saying this went right, or that went wrong, or this is how it should have happened. It's just a different reality. And therefore the sets of rules or the sets of objectives or the pathways or the functionalities and so on that we all uh, go through as institutions, what we're doing here is reflecting on them. And seeing which ones apply today and which ones don't. And having that exercise is very important because you don't want to inherit ways of working that that are no longer relevant and just push through them because it's the normal way of doing
0: things. That for me is largely what I am living by and pushing um, forward with. There's high hopes that at some point in 2021, uh, we can have more of a sense of normalcy, even if certain aspects of our lives have changed. What are you most looking forward to once we get through the worst of this pandemic? Traveling.
1: More than anything, I, just, I miss the expansion of horizons, meeting friends around the world. Going for a short break
0: and just experiencing new things that you don't typically get out of staying in one place. And very finally, um, for 2021, what are your utmost priorities? Getting to Mars. <laughs> <laughs>
1: In early February, but more importantly for me, it's fully working on deploying a strategy on developing industries based on technology within the UAE with the full spectrum of ecosystem that needs to be established around it.
0: That's great. Well, I wish you luck with those plans. We're all eagerly waiting for that uh, arrival at Mars. And I appreciate you speaking so candidly also about um, all the highs and lows of 2021. Uh, Minister Sarah Al amiri thank you so much for joining The National. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to My 2020. I've been your host, Mina Al-Arabi. This podcast was produced by Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the series on your preferred podcasting app. Please also continue to follow our podcasts and reporting on thenationalnews.com.